guys, I am Michaela Dice. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us here on my podcast because you belong here. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about testimonies. I am a firm believer that your testimony should be someone else's prophecy. So we will be talking with some of my friends and family and people that I love about things that God has done in their lives. And I will be sharing different things about things that God has spoken to my heart and things that I've experienced through him and his word. And so I just wanted to tell you, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair and come hang out with us as we go deep, discovering the ways that God has proven his love in tangible ways. I am so excited you're here. All right. Hey guys, we're back. This is Kristen, my really, really dear friend. Um, and she's going to come to us today and have some fun things to share. So, Kristen, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks. It's for kind of an honor because I, I get to hear about it. And from its inception, it's the act of faith that, that you took to start this podcast. And so now getting to be on it and be interviewed is, is an honor because um, I know that this is just, this is, God's uh, God's plan, God's will for you come to fruition. And so kind of need to get to see it. Yeah, thanks. I'm super excited. It's fun. It's a good time. <laughs> so first of all, we are going to start by, um, if you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do and maybe about your family. Sure. Um, well, I am um, a social worker. I, um, I have been in the profession of social work for uh, about probably 12 years or so. And, um, that's actually how I met Michaela, um, because I was the social worker that, uh, did their home study for, uh, their, uh, adoption of their little girl, their little baby girl. And so I told her as I'm being interviewed on this podcast that it feels a little bit weird now that the tables are turned because I was the one doing the interviewing before and now, now she's on the other side. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do. I, um, I also uh, manage a um, technology platform called Care Portal that connects churches to the um, child welfare system um, in our state, but also to other child serving agencies that serve um, vulnerable kids. And so I connect the churches to um, meet the needs through this platform of the children and families in our community um, that they serve. So um, that's also a really um, a cool dream of mine that's really come to fruition, come to pass um, since I've lived here in Alabama. We've been here uh, about five years almost. And um, my husband, is a worship pastor on um, staff at our church at City Hope Church. And uh, that's what brought us here. That's how God brought us here. But um, since we've been here, not only Care Portal, but also a dream of um, having and adopting children has come to pass as well since we've lived in Alabama. So we have two beautiful boys um, who are a lot of fun and um, they are four and eight years old. We brought them home about 18 months ago um, from Haiti. So they um they brought a lot of joy to our lives and god has taught us a lot through that process so uh we are yeah we're now here and planted here and um and it's it's yeah been an exciting season 
Amazing. <laughs> I love how God lines things up. And I just remember, um, I remember the week that Ariel was born and we were going to the hospital and you guys were flying out to Haiti to go meet the boys. Yes, at, like, at the same time. We the Simultaneously. Yeah. I love it. I know. I know. God, God, only God could have lined it up that way. Right. It's true. <laughs> um, okay. So we are going to start by me asking you a couple questions. I guess one really, um, I want you to talk about, we will have a dialogue about what, um, if there's a time in your life or even like a full season in your life where you just experienced a move of God in an incredible, like tangible way. Yes. So I, um, I did feel, I did feel led to talk about adoption, our adoption process. Um, I don't, I don't share that often because like I said, I'm usually on the other end of um, interviewing and doing, doing home assessments with families that are adopting um, and get to get to kind of chime in my experience here and there to relate to them or try to uh, encourage them in some ways, but um, normally don't get to just outright share my experience um, in story form. So I did feel like that was probably um, the move of God that I should talk about tonight when I prayed about it. So um, it, it is a very long story. <laughs> so I, I won't go into all the details. God has really shown us a lot and taught us a lot through it. Um, but we, we felt called to adoption, um, really early on in our marriage. So we've been married, uh, let's see, we're going on 13 years, so 12 years. And, um, probably the first couple years of our marriage, we, um, we traveled to Haiti. We volunteered with an organization there called Mission of Hope. And, um, you know, the first year that we traveled together, Trent and I, as um, newlyweds at that point, um, I feel like God gave me the, the calling um, to adopt. And Trent was probably lagging behind, like many adoptive couples that I talk to feel <laughs> that their husbands, you know, sometimes are a little slower to come to, or God, God has to speak, you know, speak to them and, and their timing. But, um, but I was, you know, from, kind of from the first, um, that really that first trip together, um, pretty set that we were going to adopt. Now I didn't necessarily feel like we were going to adopt from Haiti, but there was, um, there were a couple girls on that trip with us who, um, who were spoken to in a dream and just felt like in a dream. And, uh, God doesn't normally talk to me in dreams, um, specifically, but, but I do believe that he speaks through dreams. And so, they, they actually said, I had the dream last night that you guys adopted two kids from Haiti. Um, I think they said they were twins at that point. So um, our experience though, on that next trip, so that was pre-earthquake um, in Haiti. Um, and then we went back post-earthquake in Haiti. Um, and we had, we had an experience where we did meet these, this set of twins. Um, and at an orphanage and Trent and I were playing with, with kind of a, a little boy and a little girl separately, not knowing that they were related. And so we had kind of this moment of like, oh, you know, this little boy, um, you know, is really gravitating to me. And I was like, this little girl is really gravitating to me. And, um, and then come to find out, um, you know, one of the women, the caregivers was saying, well, they're twins, they're twins. And so um, the combination of the dream and then that experience, um, you know, we, we really feel like um, that kind of stirred our hearts to begin with um, and, and seeing, you know, if you go to Haiti and you see, um, you see kids in care, 
um, it, there's just something about it that you can't shake, you know, you cannot um, unsee it. You are broken and wrecked by it. Um, I think anybody that has been to Haiti what, would share the same experience. And so, um, so we were deeply affected by it. Um, and then when we went back the following, uh, I guess it was two years later after the earthquake, um, that was when the uh, orphanage that those that those two twins were in had been destroyed by the earthquake and all the kids were displaced and we didn't know where they were um, still to this day don't know where they are um, or where they went and so um, at that point you know because of the earthquake and the the death tolls of that of the earthquake and there were so many more kids even more kids orphaned in Haiti and so when we, you know, felt like we were called to adopt, um, it wasn't that we specifically felt a, a pull to that geographical location, but we did because of our experience there. We thought, well, if God gave us a choice of where to adopt from, we would love to be able to adopt from Haiti and be able to do something about, you know, one less orphan in Haiti. So, um, so that's kind of where we came at it from. Uh, it wasn't quite ready at that point to start the process, but we both, I think, um, at that point realized that the call to adoption was much more about the gospel. So this, this gospel notion of, of adoption um, really kind of grabbed hold of our hearts and we knew, yes, someday we will adopt. So, um, so that, that's kind of the, the beginning of that. So that was, like I said, so early on in our marriage and, um, and we didn't know, you know, whether we were supposed to adopt first before, you know, we did feel called to, to have children and we um, we didn't know whether that was going to come through adoption or come through uh, biological children and um, and if both which would probably be our desire then which first and we we're just you know like okay we got to think about this because we got to start the process if we're going to adopt you know and so um, we were praying about that and God <clears throat> kind of kind of flipped the script on us a little bit <laughs> and as we were you know family planning and we felt like we had kind of a pure motive for adoption that it was about the gospel it wasn't about our, us or our family it was about him and his glory and um and, and at at that time though we were thinking okay God's going to tell us you know whether we're supposed to adopt first or we're supposed to try you know to have our um, our biological children and so um at that point he basically flipped the script in the way of making it less about our family planning <laughs> and giving us direction and guidance on that and more about like what he wanted to do some things he wanted to do in us internally so there were you know there were things in our marriage there were things for each of us individually and personally that god wanted to um work on <laughs> and so and i do believe that it's work on because we were going to come out the other side of that process stronger, our marriage stronger, uh, personally more prepared for parenting. Um, and I look back and I think, oh, thank goodness God did not give us kids at that time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, for about a, a year, I would say, is God just kind of was taking us through that process of kind of doing some self work, you know, in us internally. And, um, we got a lot of clarity about our family's vision, um, or the vision for our family during that during that time. I feel like God kind of deposited things that we still we still get to um, um, 
you know, kind of own as the vision for our family and the mission for our family um, even now. And so it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see it, but it was really just the, the notion of from the inside out. So what God wanted to do on us internally, that, that not until we've received those things from God, can we in turn externalize those things and do those things for other people. So um, it starts with receiving and, and then, and then we can turn it outward. Um, it's what God does for us internally and inwardly that we then are to turn outwardly and externalize um, for other people. And then when we do that, I feel like that's the, the justice part of things that when you, when you start to um, serve other people and when you start to see that I'm blessed to be a blessing and, you know, um, then, then those outward focus kind of things, which has always been a passion of mine, all of the scriptures that I, I feel like are, um, are just, um, instrumental in my life have been all about, um, you know, Matthew 25, and it talks about, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And when I, you know, um, all, all of those things of you did those unto me. And, um, and those are kind of the scriptures of outward, like acts of service um, are actually worship, you know, that you're, when you do those things for others, when you love, when you love one another, when you serve one another, you're actually doing that un unto Jesus. And so that's where the worship comes in. So we kind of adopted this mantra of justice and worship um, and how they go hand in hand and they aren't to be separated. Um, they are intertwined, um, but it all starts with receiving what God has for you internally. And so that process of like when God was <laughs> revealing all those things to us and we were doing all that kind of soul searching um, during that time we needed to be able to receive some things before we were going to turn around and adopt. So, you know, adoption, like I said, the gospel notion of adoption um, is all about what God has done for us, that God has adopted us as his children. He's engrafted us into his family. He's, you know, given us a new citizenship. He's given us a home. He's given us a new name and a new identity. Um, all of those things are the things that we now get to tell our kids, this is why we adopt because we were adopted. And so, um, so yeah, so our kind of our, like I said, our mantra is from the inside out. Um, so that's how we now are leading our kids. we got a lot of vision as to how we're supposed to lead our kids um, through just that alone, like the character of God and what God has done for us, you know, in turn, we are supposed to replicate and we are supposed to be, you know, types and shadows on this earth of, of that relationship. And and it is cool too to to realize like God has always used family, familial relationships to as metaphors for Christ in the church and God's relationship to humanity. You know, when you think about parent and child, but when you think about marriage as well, you know, Christ in the church, husband and wife, Christ in the church. And so it is cool to see like, you know, God's intent for family to uh, reflect him to the world. And so when we adopted, we we definitely thought that um, it was for that purpose of being for the world to see, you know, we're going to demonstrate and be this diorama of God's love on this earth for people to see. Right. And you would think that because I went through that process of knowing that what God wants to do is internal first, that I would know that when we got into our season after adoption, after bringing the boys home, that it would be about internal first, but it wasn't. I always, I still thought that, you know, this is for the world. We're adopting for the world to see and for God to get glory through it. 
well, there's definitely been a lot of things that God has shown me about myself through parenting, like this new dimension, this new, um, you know, paradigm now that of, of parenting where I get to see kids and how they act and how frustrating it can be sometimes. And, <laughs> and I think, I, I am that frustrating to God sometimes. Like, I, I mean, he loves me unconditionally. Like, I love these two boys. But, man, I'm sure that I do some things that are just difficult and challenging and frustrating. And, you know, it's really shown me a lot of, you know, my own impatience and pride and things like that. And so, uh, even in this new season, God's continuing still to do that. Internal first, you know, internal work first. So. Yeah, it's a whole big long story. I just talked for a long time, but yeah, was, <laughs> like I said, there was there was like five years in between in between those two stories of we waited, we waited, we had our first home study done. Um, yeah, it's probably been about seven years ago, and then we just brought the boys home eighteen months ago. So, so there was a lot of time that had passed yeah. <laughs> in the process. So there's a lot to that, but. I love it. I love how he does that. Like that's how our adoption kind of started was kind of the same thing where there was a little boy that was in one of my daycare classes and I had a dream about him. And I was like, I think we're supposed to adopt this little boy. Turned out he'd been in and out of foster care. Didn't know that till after my dream. But I feel like there's so many times where God sets things up like that, where he, like, it's almost hard to convince you to do something until he's kind of set it up and you, your heart gets excited about that thing. And then it's like, yes. that's what gets the ball rolling. Like it plants that seed to say, yeah, this could be something we could do. Yes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. you absolutely. know, and it's the same thing with Ariel. Like we had that failed adoption before her to prepare our hearts and our house and our family for her. Right. Right. You know? I just love I how know. he does that. Like he knows. And I think, you know, before, before, when we started the adoption process, we were living in, in Oklahoma at the time. And um, in the middle of that process, dead middle of the process, um, God moved us and we, reloc- we relocated to Alabama. And, um, you know, that's a whole, <laughs> whole nother story that God has, you know, taught us so much through and we've grown so much through all of that. But, um, but I think about the experiences that I've had here in Alabama. So I actually, when we moved here, it was our adoption process that, um, that required us to get an, a home study update, an update to the home study that we already had. Mm-hmm. And so since we had moved, we had to get another home assessment done. And it was actually through that process that we found Children of the World, who I now work for, um, because they came out and did our home study update. And then in turn, I began working for them. And so I've been, you know, now um, working in the field of adoption, and through that, I've gotten so much good training and so much knowledge, and you know, so much perspective that I would have never had otherwise. And so I see, you know, that is, it's just that God has ways of preparing, you know, of preparing you for your next season, and you don't <laughs> really always know when you're in that training ground, but you know, turns out this move and meeting, you know, here was part of our training ground that I'm so grateful that we had because it was just a valuable, valuable experience and, 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 uh, training. Yeah. I love it. Well, I will ask you now that, um, like through all of that, is there anything specific that you feel like you experienced God's love or anything that you learned about him that you like truths that maybe you thought you knew? but you didn't fully grasp. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like a prism, right? You so you see different dimensions, you know, through through these relationships that are intended to reflect the love of God, right? So through marriage, um, you know, you you see a different kind of a, a different reflection of God's heart and God's love, right? And through through adoption, we've seen a different reflection of God's love and God's heart. Um, through the waiting process, um, there, there were just so many times, and I really feel like I was given that experience to not only um, develop some perseverance, you know, some staying power, some like, okay, you know, I hit my knees so many times because it didn't look like the process didn't look like what I envisioned it to look like. You know, I didn't, I didn't set out to adopt, you know, in five, in five years, <laughs> you know, when I set out to adopt, it wasn't, you know, in five years down the line. Um, and so there were many times that I kind of went, we just went back to the drawing board of, of, okay, Lord, um, you know, is this, is this what you want us to do? And, um, and, and through that, I think, I've always, um, he's always drawn me back to the promise, right? So when he makes a promise, it comes to pass and nothing can thwart, you know, the, the plan or the will of God, um, in his purposes. So, um, so you, you have to hang hang your hat on those moments where God speaks to you about the promise. And we knew God called us to adopt, and we knew that that was a promise. That was a sure thing. And um, so every time we prayed about other options or, you know, should we rethink this, it was always back to that. And so those are the things that, you know, I feel like God is, and maybe it's just, maybe it's just his faithfulness. I know that sounds cliche, but I mean, it's just his faithfulness to deliver on his promises. Um, and through, through that waiting, you know, I think, I think the process you have to hang like very loosely, like loosen your grasp on the process because the, the, the process God took us through to get us here <laughs> has just been full of twists and turns, you know? And so it, it didn't look like how we thought it was going to look like. Um, and so you, you can't, you can't grasp that too tightly, the, the process. Um, but the promise you can hang on to. So I think, I think it's just that God's faithful on his promises, but not to hold too tightly to the process and the outcome, you know, that ultimately got to trust God with the outcome and hold loosely to, to the process of how he gets us there. Because, um, I don't know, it's just, like I said, I guess it's just, I didn't, I didn't ever anticipate, um, what he was going to do through the waiting process, but um, there's a, there's a song. I'm, I'm married to a worship pastor, so <laughs> you'll have to excuse me. I, I relate a lot to song <laughs> and to, um, there, there's a, there's a hill song, um, song called Seasons. Um, and I don't know, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I've got the lyrics pulled up. Okay. As I, um, it, it's a song that actually, um, I guess it was three Christmases ago, right before we brought the boys home that, Trent um, led at a Christmas um, worship experience at City Hope, um, and and it was kind of one of those moments of he he was given the song to to lead it, and he was leading it from a place that was just like <laughs> he was singing with you know genuine like from a very authentic raw place you know um, because the lyrics are let me just read them real quick but um, 
it says, I can see the promise and I can see the future. You're the God of seasons and I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, then God, I'm not done waiting. Um, and then it talks about, um, you can see my promise even in the winter because you're the God of greatness, even in a manger. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second, but instead you sent a child. Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. Though my waiting prolongs even greater, your promise for me. And so, you know, it's just, I believe my, my season will come. And when I finally see my tree, still I believe there's a season to come. So it's like, right, <laughs> such powerful lyrics and like spoke to us, you know, so much and resonated with us so much. But we just knew that the longer that we were waiting, like the even richer the harvest that it would bring. And, and that, you know, if anything from all of this, we'll, we'll have a testimony to be able to share that's going to bring God even more glory than, you know, we knew that adoption would bring about in the first place. And so, um, I think, you know, working in adoption and working with a lot of families um, that are in the waiting, um, I get to kind of encourage them in that because I've, I've lived through it. <laughs> and so that's kind of the advantage to working as a social worker in adoption is I've got the personal experience that, you know, I can um, relate to families. And so um, I, as I was kind of, again, praying through all of this, um, I think I just wanted to encourage families that are in the waiting um, that, that here, well, there's a, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that says nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. That there's kind of this like, um, sentiment a lot of times in adoption that because God has given you a promise that then you, um, have this feeling that like those kids are mine, you know, like, like God has called me to adopt. And then when you have a child and a face to put with that, then it's like almost like a, in faith, like a, like a, <laughs> um, what's the word? Like name it and claim it sort of thing. Like, okay, I know God has called me to adopt. And so now those kids are, are mine because I know God has destined us to be family, you know, like God, um, and, and because of that, I think people can kind of start to like tighten their grasp on, on that process, you Absolutely. know, that, that it's like, well, they're mine, so I'm going to fight for them. So we, we actually had a referral at one point from um, another country, again, long story, but from a different country and, um, and lost that referral, uh, which is when they match you with kids and then come to find out that they didn't have all the re legal relinquishments in place um, on the other side in country. And so, you know, we were, we were grieved and we, we, we felt that that was a huge loss because we had already attached our heartstrings to that. And I think, I think anybody who maybe has um, been um, exp just experienced loss of any kind. So I, I, I sometimes relate it to kind of um, having a, a loss with pregnancy. Um, you know, we, we had already kind of attached our heartstrings to the idea of these two children, you know. And, um, so, so when it was told that wasn't going to go through, it was like, what can we do? Like, what doors do we have to bust down? You know, like we've got to fight for these kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And our adoption agency kind of had to caution us. Like, um, you know, <laughs> sometimes when we start pushing on closed doors, you know, that, um, it, 
like basically it doesn't turn out very well. <laughs> and so, and so it was good advice though, because we needed to hear that, you know, we needed to hear, it's not you giving up on these kids. It's, it's surrendering, you know, to, um, to God's will and the process that he's going to, you know, um, take you through to bring about this, uh, promise so to deliver on this promise. So that was kind of a good, you know, for us, um, again, way, way that God could give us an experience that we could relate to some other people and friends, you know, and, and then also, um, just to remember that, yes, like that, that he's given you a process, but yet everything is his, like everything is given to us. Like nothing that we have is ours, you know? So yeah. Yeah. all of that to say, uh, you asked me about a dimension of God's love. And I think it's just that his faithfulness, his faithfulness still over on the promise. You can hang your hat on the promise, but I still would encourage families to just not, not hold tightly to, to the process of how God's going to deliver on his promise. He will. But it may not look like the way you think it's going to look. <laughs> so, true. so true. For real. Well, and I feel like that's one of those things too. So I do yoga and I, there's this lady called, her name is um, Caroline Williams and she does Christian yoga. Mm-hmm. So each session is like a sermon with scripture and some of the poses, like instead of focusing inward and like trying to empty your brain and all the things or whatever, like I don't really do like regular yoga, but this is... <laughs> instead like it's introspective in that there is every time that you have those quiet moments it's like this is what I want you to think on and she gives like scripture and examples and it's really really good but the other day I turned it on and I was doing this one that said full body I didn't know what the message was I just knew that I wanted to stretch everything (laughs) the message was about prayer and surrender and um it was, she was talking about, um, she's reading a book about prayer and they were taught, I don't remember what the book was, but she said that they were talking about the three tenses. So like there's, um, like active tense when you're saying I'm doing something passive tense, when you say like something is being done to me, mm-hmm. what people don't talk about is that middle tense where it's like a cooperative. Like her example mm-hmm. was, I am counseling you is active tense. You are counseling me is passive tense Mm -hmm. or I am taking counsel from you. So it's that like cooperative, you know, you're receiving what someone else is doing and you're Mm -hmm. doing it together kind of. And she said, that's the way that we need to be to walk in God's will. We have to be in that middle tense where we're not saying like, I'm doing this because it's what I think God wants me to do. It's not God, I'm telling you to do this in my life. Or even a lot of people sit back and they just say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to do it. Passively. Yeah. Very passively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes it's such a challenge to find that middle space, especially in situations like that, where it's the waiting periods or the failed adoptions or, you know, whatever it may be when you think you think you're doing what you want for God, like you're moving in God's will, but really ultimately, like, what is your motivation? You know, checking your heart, checking your spirit and just saying like, okay, God, I legitimately want whatever you want for me, Mm -hmm. but you can't steer parked car. So I'm going to start moving in the direction for you, for your will to happen. And it's such a tricky space. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? It's funny. Yeah. I, um, I felt like throughout most of our time of waiting, when I pray, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? <laughs> um, how much longer is this going to take? <laughs> I, I felt like, you know, I knew that the season of waiting had purpose. Um, and, and so I was constantly trying to seek, you know, what that purpose was. Um, and I felt like, I felt like God kept bringing me back to, it's, it's your role to bring purpose into wherever, whatever environment I've placed you in, you know, whatever, wherever I take you, mm-hmm. um, you, you bring purpose into that environment, you know, and, and I felt like he kept saying, you don't wait passively, you wait actively. Like you, you and so it's kind of interesting that you're talking about that middle tense, because that's something that I felt like throughout our whole waiting, you know, season was, wait actively, wait actively. Okay. What does that look like? You know, what does that look like? How, how do I wait actively God? You know, and there was always something, you know, and, and every month and year of, of that season, there was always something that God showed me do this. You know, it was like, learn Creole was one of the things, you know, this is how you can wait actively, mm-hmm. take this time to actually learn some language. <laughs> and so we took the time, got a mentor, you know, and, uh, or a tutor, and, and started learning Creole, you know, so that we could speak it. And, and I don't know what we would have done had we not done that. I don't know how we would have gotten by. We could have never communicated with our kids for the first six months of them being home because if we hadn't, you know, put in the the time. So if God hadn't impressed that on us and that, that, you know, particular time was like, this is what we can do to wait actively, you know? So it's kind of cool that you say that middle, middle tense. And because that's, that's kind of a, yeah, something that I got through the the whole season was wait actively wait actively don't be passive you know so yeah it is flip into either end oh yeah you know you get to that point where you're like oh god's telling me to do this and you grab hold of it and you don't let him have any part of it and you're like god told me that this was mine yep that's what (laughs) and we become a little territorial a little too much ownership there (laughs) you're not entitled to anything nothing that you have is yours Yeah. yeah well and even after adoption happens and everything's finalized like I find myself, Nolan and I, we talk all the time where it's like, okay, you don't want to feel obligated to do things a certain way, but you think about things differently. You know, I feel like all parents, biological or not, like process things in, I need to do things a certain way for my kids. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's so much of a, like, this might sound ridiculous, but it's, it's almost a different type of surrender for us adoptive parents because we... Mm -hmm sit in this space where we think, okay, these decisions that I'm making now are going to set my child up. How? Because Mm -hmm. I have this responsibility, you know, I brought them home. I brought them out of whatever, or someone selected me to be their parents. Like Mm -hmm. I want to take responsibility and ownership of that in a way where I am pushing them towards God's will and setting them up for the most success possible and having Mm -hmm. them set up in a situation where their learning environment, their emotional and spiritual environments. Like I almost feel like there's a heavier responsibility because I want to be able to say like, I stewarded this well. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's every parent wanting to, you know, steward their kids well, but I, I do agree that, you know, with our kids that have come from hard places that 
that is, yeah, an added responsibility, an added weight, um, because there's a healing process that needs to take place, you know, and that, that they're, they're having to heal from trauma a lot of times, or heal from um, things that they, they were no fault of their own, you know, that, um, that healing process, like, we are, we are there to be co, you know, partner with God, um, because God, ultimately, he's their healer, but, he uses us as his agents of healing, you know, in their lives and, and the nurture that, that through God, that we can love with, because we've received love from God, <laughs> that that is what's going to help them heal. And, and, you know, as well as I do that, you know, with kids from hard places, there's, there's a lot of hurt there that, yeah. that maybe is not even, um, they're not even aware of, maybe they're not even, uh, conscious of, but, um, that's a lot of, a lot of things that you have to make up, you know, make up for. Um, and that's a, that's a, yeah, it's a big responsibility. I think it, I think it does feel like an added weight because, because you're trying to help them heal at the same time as you're trying to help them grow and mature and, right. and disciple them, you know, um, all the things that all parents do. You're, you've got an added responsibility, you know, right. like if you want that to testimony to matter. Like for me, yeah. I just like, like Sam has decided he's going to be a pastor. Like he is dead set. Like he decided and I'm called to ministry. Pretty sure. Like he's going to, yes. yeah. you know, and that kind of is that like created to be yeah. creating that testimony that he can use in the future. Because like I always say, like your testimony is someone else's prophecy and to be able to say like, I came from a hard place and God, healed me and helped me and made me whole through it. And now here I am helping you walk through this. Right. You know, you want to set that up where it is setting them up to be the most that God created them to be and like cultivating that in them. Right. As a parent in general, really like, sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you know, ultimately the story is the story, like God's authoring their story. And, you know, there's things even right now that I, that I see God using Stevenson and Jumi, our, our sons, like using them in ways that like, I could never have imagined. And I have no part in it. Like, I can't take any credit for it. You know, it's like, it's just amazing the things that God is doing through them, you know, and I know it's only scratching the surface of like the plans that he has for them and their broad future, you know, and how he's going to like the, the big and great things that, you know, that they're going to do, um, that they're going to do for God. So um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of neat to see, like, I, you know, in some ways we, we don't need to take a lot of responsibility. Be, I mean, we do, we need to steward them well, but, but, you know, God, God's authoring their story. God's using them yeah. um, in ways that, you know, I have, like I said, can't take any credit for. So yeah, absolutely. I love it. <laughs> you do have really great boys. I love them so much. They're really great. Yeah. <laughs> I could love them. Like I said, awesome. can't take credit for it. <laughs> Only had for eighteen months, so <laughs> pretty great. You guys are doing a great job. Oh, I love it. Y'all too. Y'all too. We're grateful to have friends, you know, in the trenches with us. Um, a lot of times, it feels like that, you know, trenches. So we're grateful for you and Nolan, and it's neat how God has led um, the dices and and us together, you know, through an unlikely. Uh, professional relationship at first, you know, and then, and then to, uh, just see how our, our 
personalities kind of mirror each other and then our stories kind of mirror each other with adoption and then now we're in the same small group and, and so how our sons mirror each other yeah our kids mirror each other I know I know so 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 grateful God brought us together yeah well we love you guys very much um do you have anything else like any scripture anything else that you wanted to share before we call it um let's see that was all really good. If you don't have anything else, that's fine. I don't think I do. Um, nope, I don't think so. I was just looking, I wrote a few notes, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think I've said it all. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I'm just going to stop the recording real fast. Okay.